You're listening to Barbells, Boot Camps, and Banter, the official podcast of athletic-based training. We'll chat all things health, fitness, and probably some shenanigans along the way. I'm your host, Crystal Blank, owner of ABT and part-time Olympic weightlifter. Thanks for tuning in. I just don't look at it. It's I don't know. I get it. The whole I don't know. It's kind of tough because I the numbers are always weird too. Because like right, so this where this started, and even like that death rate we talked about, the like the two percent, like out of the first few hundred thousand that got it, mm-hmm. if that was in like rural China, mm-hmm. health wise, they could be more at risk than like if me or you got it. Mm-hmm. So like maybe their death rate. You know what I mean? If those initial yeah. deaths were higher then it could skew the numbers i don't know <laughs> no just, i agree i just also think it's crazy that like the, the people are selling purell on like amazon and stuff right now like the price of it is like oh, 70 yeah. bucks for like the small little ones yeah really. yeah yeah they had sold out and like and I, target sold out people are like i'm crazy. not 100 percent sure but i went to i thought we had extra ones in the um in the bathroom and they're all gone so i yeah. think somebody swiped them on us <laughs> no, I think we've used them because okay. I know I've consolidated all the little ones into the bigger ones okay. as they've run down. Right. So but those I thought we had a couple big ones. Yeah, and we just swapped it out. So one of them just went empty. Okay. And it's and because one... people are using it so much now. Right. People are just like tap, 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 tap. Dude, I'm like Purelling up to my elbows now when here's, I fucking do it. But here's the fucking thing. <laughs> like, I saw it. who wasn't washing their hands already? Yeah. Like, I wash my hands almost all the time. I saw something that said that Purell won't even kill it, though. It won't. Yeah. So it has to be an alcohol-based one. Antibacterial isn't antiviral, Yeah. you know? Yeah. So it needs to be alcohol-based to have any effect. So if it's just like a standard antibacterial hand sani, it's not going to do shit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So speaking of who's not washing their hands and then also speaking of shit, did you see there was this... um, it was a study or just like a, they did some sort of observation. And, you know, McDonald's has all the touch screens now yeah. basically eliminated. Oh, so they, they, I think it was 100. They like tested 100 different screens. Oh, no. And it was 100 for 100 tested positive for fecal batter. Oh. How about oh. that on your burger? <laughs> right. Uh, it's not on your burger. <laughs> it's just coming it onto your hands. Yeah. <laughs> Other people's poop. Great. You know, building that, that immune system, man. <laughs> 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 uh, well, with that, on that note, yeah. Uh, joining us today, uh, another Teddy friend, um, Chris. I think this is the second, third time you've met Tom. Maybe you met We're him a at ABT times. a couple. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah right. um, Tom Cadron. No, uh, Tom Cadron. Hello. Um, misspelled in my phone since 18, 18 years old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Double A? Uh, A-I. Oh, and okay. It's, the way it's you just said a it. single, yeah. Cadron. So it's C-A-D-R-I-N. And I spelled it because I heard it Tom Cadron. So I was like, oh, C-A-I-D-R-I-N. Like, Cadron, you know? Funny. So, but yeah. Uh, professional musician, Boston Marathon runner. Uh, former. Former. <laughs> yeah. <know>? Retired. Retired. <laughs> Retired. <laughs> One and done. Uh, November Project participant. Uh, um, I don't know. A couple and done with that. Yeah. But. Healthy overall lifestyle, uh, appreciative and pursuer. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, but 
Mr. Tom Cadron. Hello, hello. Out of Grafton, Massachusetts. Other, um, how many other Grafton people? Have, or Teddy friends? We have friends? a couple. No, no, not between us. On the show. I'm not your first friend that's been on the show. No, so uh, my cousin Patrick was on last week, who you know. Yep. Uh, and then Tyler, the head trainer from Vim. Oh, cool. Was on. Awesome. Um, but Grafton, as far as that goes, we have a couple clients mm -hmm. from Grafton at ABT. Mm -hmm. yeah. I don't know if anyone's been on the show, though, from Grafton. Bruno. Bruno lives in, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so he lives in Grafton. He's not from Grafton. Oh, uh, mm -hmm. sure. He's from Maine, mm -hmm. but lives in Grafton now. So It's a beautiful place. It is. Land of trees. No. <laughs> it's not. That's what Waltham means. Home in the forest. Really? Waltham? Yeah. The Tam? I have so many friends moving to Waltham. That's All where he's from. You live in Waltham? You're from Waltham. All roads lead to it. I'm, yeah, <laughs> yeah they, they have. I mean, do you still live there? No. My parents <laughs> do. I'm about to live there for probably about a month. But. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I was there yesterday, two days ago. There's a brewery out there called Mighty Squirrel. Yeah. That's so... It's amazing. So that brewery, where that brewery is, like right on that corner. Yeah. That big, that long big complex. Yep. So that complex, exactly where the Mighty Squirrel used to be, yeah. that's where I used to teach. That used to be a school. Oh, wow. So I taught there for 10 plus years. That's where I met my wife. Mm -hmm. um, like, people at my wedding. Yeah. That's a magical place. Yeah, man. It still is a magical yeah, place. Yeah, yeah. left a lot behind. I think yeah. that's a great commentary that a school is now a brewery. <laughs> well, I mean, we used to all, it drove us all to drink. That's what, kind of, what kind of school is it? Makes sense. It was a residential, residential-based uh, behavioral um, school kids with uh, developmental disabilities, okay. all ranges. Yeah, so. yeah. Wow. Yeah, weird spot for it. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> it's pretty awesome, though. I mean, we should definitely hit it up. Yeah, it's I will. massive, and there's like two outdoor patio spaces. They got food trucks that come up, and cool. It's just good. They make good beer. We've talked about going because we, we want to kind of bring a whole crew that we used to work with there. Yeah. And then I don't know if you saw it, but at the far end of that building, mm -hmm. there's another bar, City Streets. Oh, I didn't see that. So um, some good friends of mine own that. Okay. Yeah. You can just bar hop between the both. Those two are good. And then that's not even going to Moody Street. Yeah, Moody Street's Moody's. the hopping, mm. hopping part of town. Is that a beer pun? Hopping? Oh. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one other random connection, just to bring it all full circle again. Oh. His younger brother, yeah, Cadron, was an athlete with us for a summer. Oh yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah, my brother was. Uh, he was ranked high school lacrosse. Played goalie. Now he's at UMass. Doesn't really play anymore. He's graduating this year. My sister, who's just about to graduate high school, is also uh, a lacrosse goalie and got a. Um, Quite a hefty ride to St. Michael's College, nice. my my alma mater, um, for lacrosse. So she's going up there this fall. Talented athletes, that Cadron family. Yeah, and I just played music. <laughs> you played soccer way, way back. I did play soccer in high school. I was uh, captain sophomore through senior year. Um, but I was playing lots of music, and by the time that I got to college, I remember we were playing a pickup game like freshman year in the fall and by like 15 minutes into it i found myself now this is vermont right i found myself like underneath a dying tree writing poetry in my head about a bee's nest that was in the canopy <laughs> 
all everyone was like what the hell are you doing dude yeah. <laughs> yeah, i was inspired definitely uh yeah, weed was very prevalent up there yeah. and um yeah but then uh, you know i i didn't play any sports after that and i got really heavy into music and um i was snowboarding a lot in high school too but yeah. um my wrists became really important to me you know, playing guitar and all that sort of stuff so i pretty much stopped playing sports entirely Music, yeah, full-time music, not full-time playing, but I tour, manage. So Teddy and I have known each other since we were 18, um, and we worked together at a, a health company for a while. I'm sure you've probably yeah. talked about it on this. Warrior, everyone knows it. Yeah, so... Um, got some gear. Got some gear. We got some gear, yeah. Um, but when we were at Health Warrior, you know, we were doing sales and marketing. I picked up a lot of hard skills, just spreadsheets, sales, and personality management, and all that yeah. sort of stuff. And But in tandem with all that, since I was 14, I've been writing, recording, performing, and, um, you know, just organizing shows. Um, and I had a stride probably from the beginning of Health Warrior, 2014, till about 2018 and a half. Where I was working on a band and we were, you know, touring and doing stuff, but that kind of just dipped off pretty quickly. Um, and I left Health Warrior shortly after that and um, started freelancing, but translated all those hard skills into just music management, tour management in particular. Um, basically, tour dad, mm. organizing. Um, once a band's got a tour together, I'll book all the hotels, do all the routing, get all the gear, source it all, put together budgets, and then on the road, like, keeping timetables, making sure we get paid, making sure we get paid correctly, um, organizing rooms, and you get to a venue, and, like, I'm basically the dude that knows the janitor, the bartender, the promoter, and, like, make sure that everything goes the way we want it yeah. to. Keep the wheels greased. Yeah, yeah, which is a combination of all the sales and marketing that we did. Mm -hmm. at health warrior and stuff that i've been doing since i was 14 so blended your uh your hard skills as you put them in your passions yeah yeah i'm basically just doing the same exact thing i did when i was 14 years old but now i make like a not even a decent salary but enough <laughs> to pay my bills and like you know take my girlfriend buy make food for my girlfriend and i every once in a stay while stay away from mcdonald's <laughs> oh dude it's so hard <clears throat> it's like and you know they'll they'll be like well we got fresh beef now and you're on the road and you're driving for 12 hours and like you're all you want is a cheeseburger and like there's something so american about the flavor profile of a mcdonald's cheeseburger yep. and it, it doesn't even have to be american but it's just like it's in my blood like the yeah. The combo of the ketchup and the mustard and those pickles and like the, and the diced onions, the yep. diced onions and like the sesame seed bun and just all of it like that for two minutes can feel like home <laughs> when you're in the middle of Kansas. It's a good way to look at it because it's like that's familiar. Yeah. Yep. Right. Like the little shop on the corner. Yep. You don't know. Right. Right. And you don't trust. Right. I don't you necessarily trust, trust yeah, yeah, yeah. with the really fecal. With the fecal, do we really trust me? I don't use no. the touch screens. No, no, no touch screens. <laughs> Human interaction. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Exactly. 
So do you work with like a certain amount of bands or do bands like reach out to to you? Like how does that go? I have a few that are like my dudes. Um, There's this band out of Boston called Darling Side. They're a folk quartet. Um, Think like CSNY meets like Pet Sounds era Beach Boys. It's like really, it can be pretty trippy, but they're like fantastic musicians. Uh, They all play different instruments and switch. And they stand around, yeah. stand around like in a semicircle and sing. Um, they're like my guys. Um, but I was just recently out with a pop act called Shade, S H A E D. They Which had a. You will know when you hear the song. They had a song called Trampoline over the past year and a half um, that went platinum, which was pretty dope. Um, and so we did a full U.S. That was six and a half weeks of touring this fall. Um, but then, yeah, I mean. Kind of, it's a, it's definitely a a networking recommendation based industry. You know, I get my next job based upon how well I'm doing this one or how well I did my last one. And so you're always just like talking to people, staying in touch with people, checking in. Um, You know, uh, I'll tour about 50% of the year, 30 weeks out of the year, 30, 35 maybe this year. It's like 65. Yeah. Last year was last year was f- like fifty point four percent of the year as I figured it. Mm. Um, this year though, we'll see. I've had some time off. Yeah. So I'm trying to make up <laughs> for some lost, <laughs> some lost income. Um, but you know, I work when the bands are working. My job is contingent upon other people working. Right. So if they want to tour, right? if they want to tour or if like, you know, we tour in what is referred to as an album cycle, a band puts an album out, probably start touring a little bit before it's released. But then after it's released, you want to capitalize on the momentum and just like, just go back out and bring new products into the world. So, um, those cycles tend to last. If it's a good one, you know, like Foo Fighters will go out for right. four years on one album. Right. You know, and you're just doing the whole globe for a more plus regional their catalog. Yeah, they, plus they their catalog, and they'll play for like four hours a night. You no, know? right. um, for a band like you know a growing band like Darling Side or Shade, you get like a year and a half on an album, um, and then you got to go back and write another one. So, Darling Side's in the studio right now. Shade finished this tour; they're in the shoot studio right now. I'm going on a tour next week with a an Irish punk band from dublin they're coming over called the murder capital and so that'll be i want to check that out <laughs> yeah they're they're cool man i mean i uh you know obviously uh checking them out prepping for the tour like and looking at the live stuff they're crushing it in europe they're doing like 1500 cap rooms selling it out for weeks on end all over europe but we're going to be doing two to 500 cap rooms over here so it's definitely going to be a jolting experience for them i think but like it's they're getting people moving and they're like bringing it and so i'm i'm excited to see what Still. they have to do so where, what type of ve- so like <coughs> just smaller venues on this run it'll be smaller venues yeah we're gonna be doing you know like there's a small club here in somerville called once it's like a vfw style yeah. club carpeted floors it's shitty in all the best ways that you want to like a divey rock club to be kind of yeah. like michaels kind of <laughs> like michaels i hope no one from michaels hears that there's probably people in the mob associated with michaels yep 
Um, I was telling Alex about it, and yeah. he was like, oh, I want to go check it out. I was like, no. No, you don't no, want to go don't. check it out. <laughs> I brought up, so I live over, just down the road. Yeah. On the top of my street is an Italian place called Mr. B's. Mr. B's. So that's what it's called? Yeah. yeah. And it's definitely a front. 100%. There's no way it's not a front. And we were at a bar the other night, and there was this kid from Charlestown. He's lived there his entire life. He knows all the streets, and uh, he works for the railroad. And I was like, and Mr. B's is on the corner of a bridge right over the railroad. And I was like, oh, have you ever been to this place, Mr. B's? And he like looked at me and just like acknowledged it, and then started talking about something else. And so I was just like, <laughs> wait, hold on, like you're from Charlestown, you know all these streets. Like let's talk about Mr. B's. And he was like, don't go there. I know I used to work for the guy who used to own it. Don't go there. And then just went on. And yeah, like, like in a, in a very uh, like, and he was very like super conversational, yeah, great, super nice. Like, but as soon as I brought up Mr. <laughs> B's, it was clearly like, don't go there. Yeah. You didn't hear about this from me. Yeah. You didn't talk about it. Yeah. There was no connection. Yeah. There's still those spots for sure in Boston. Yeah. We had I mean, a couple. There's like no way that this place could stay open if it wasn't somehow supported or allowed to stay open yeah by i equated to the goonies when they walk into the restaurant and they're like yeah i want the chicken palm and they see they're like we have water like, <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah man but so we're not going to play mr b style clubs, <laughs> but um you know we're, we'll do some i went around the country three and a half times last year and i'll probably go back to half of those rooms on yep. this run uh but we'll also do big events you know if south by doesn't get canceled we'll do that um uh if coachella doesn't get canceled we'll do that um so there this band is definitely supported in all the right ways to get in some some good looks so to make this a little bit of a fitness conversation yeah health you know yeah um what do you do on the road to stay healthy how do you stay healthy on the road, living that type of lifestyle? Yeah. You know, and this is a huge conversational topic for a lot of our clients because there are salespeople, there are people who travel for work, mm -hmm. they have to go you know, to meetings in other cities and mm -hmm. states regularly. Yeah. And it's a, it's a constant struggle. Yeah. So what do you do? Well, what aspect of health do you want to focus on? It doesn't matter. Yeah. What are some of your tricks of the trade or, or what do you focus on when you're on the road? What's your... Do you exercise on the road? Do you, do you like... How's it go? I always intend to, and then it never happens. Um, uh, it, and it also is very dependent upon band culture, too. Like, you'll go out with some bands, and they're like, at Darling Side, one of the dudes carries a yoga mat. He's always stretching in the morning. Like, the thing, yeah, all right. So, to start off, I'm looking over in the corner there. There's a Theracane. Yep. Theracane is like probably... We have a couple at the gym. Okay, I use that all the time. Yep. I'm sitting in a van for 8 to 12 hours every single day. If I'm not driving, I'm co-piloting because I'm the tour manager. So I'm up front and I'll just do that on my back and on my feet because every night if we get to a venue, I'm lifting cases, I'm pushing shit, I'm like, you know, I'm standing, I'm standing for hours running around in circles, literally. Um, so that thing is huge. Uh, I also carry a lacrosse ball in my bag that I use every night, try to use every night. Um, but the hardest thing, the thing that I am so envious, even of like my health warrior days, is that like my life, 
schedule-wise, is not regimented at all. So getting up in the morning, you know, and having your routine and, like, going for a run, having coffee, whatever, goes out the window immediately when you have to maybe drive two and a half hours last night and you get up six hours later and drive ten hours to go play a show and get to bed by two. So... It's not like you do a workout in the van. No, you can't do a workout in the van. Like, you know, we're stopping however many times we stop, but it's like we have deadlines. We got to go load in and we got a schedule to keep every single day. Um, so working out is like very much a luxury when you're touring. Um so physically working out is, is tough. You know, mentally staying fit, I think uh, I meditate a lot. I definitely, like, uh, there's no, unless you're, like, staying totally drunk and very stoned all the time, which some people do successfully, um, which leads to other problems. But, you know, Tor forces you to be, be very aware I think that's like where the romanticism about touring comes in is like you know you're traveling all day you're in new places you're meeting new people you're playing to new crowds you're putting on the same show but it's different every place so you're you have to be you're forced to be very present you know i'm now in columbus oh i'm now in nashville i'm in these places and so meditating and keeping your mind straight is almost uh, it's paramount for me to just like because you wake up and the next motel six and you don't know where you are and like you, you really have to have to stay focused have to stay uh in in tuned with yourself otherwise you're gonna get lost really quickly out there so i focus a lot on that just staying present eating well is a big part of that mm -hmm. that's stuff that we learned at health warrior I mean, it's always nice every once in a while to have that fresh beef at McDonald's, you know, to feel, because that's a part of mental comfort too. When, when Teddy was training me for marathoning, it was like, you know, you're gonna, was it, overtrain yourself if you don't allow these like mental releases. Yep. So, um, but, you know, stop at Whole Foods a lot. Uh, Will you guys do that? Do you like stock up? Like stuff, yeah. From I mean, the van and like, or is it just yeah. I mean, less, it, like wherever you stop, you stop. No, I try to build in, so I'm the dude in control of all of that, yeah, more or less. Um, so I try to build in, like, route us through a Whole Foods for breakfast because they have hot bar, and we're usually out the door before ten, so we'll get it before they shut it down. Grab a couple egg and cheeses, or a, you know, yeah. A, hot bar mix of scrambled eggs and bacon yeah or even a sandwich yep. you know but then also stock up we're going to be in the we're going to be in this van for five and a half weeks you know like there's cubbies everywhere put your stuff in a cubby and then like you know that whenever you need like you need a lar bar or you need like an apple or you need some beef jerky like you've just got it it's like yeah. those little comforts that you can just reach to there's like a certain nut mix that I love from Whole Foods that I'll just munch on all the time. Um, but it but it does get tough, you know, when you're you've been driving for eight hours and you can only stop at a gas station. It gets tricky. It gets tricky, man. Yeah. You got to make choices. 
Like, I mean, the longest I've ever, like, traveled for is, like, you know, like a week or something like that. Sure. And that's rough. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I can only imagine yeah. that part of it. Yeah. Um, yeah you get- and it gets to a point, too, where you just need calories at some point. You just got to eat. Mm-hmm. So, you know, mm-hmm. you're trying to make the best decisions possible, but yeah. at some point it's just like, well, I just need food. Yeah. So what's available? Yeah. And it's like, you know, I'm turning 33. I'll turn 33 on this tour. I think touring definitely is a like it's a young man's game because you can like when you're younger you can just put your body through shit and like kind of recover because that's just what your body does but then you hit like the 27 8 9 into 30 mark and older and it's just like if i eat that fresh beef like tomorrow morning is going to be terrible right. <laughs> um so you got to make those choices you got to have calories you got to eat um you drink a lot of beer. Beer's cheaper than paying us. A lot of places will just give you tons of beer. Drink for the night for free type Yeah, shit. I mean, we'll drink for the night for free all the time. I mean, that's another part of actually touring where I have more control too. It's like, so every venue you go to, you get a built into your contract is a hospitality budget. And you advance before any tour. Uh, all your requirements for the stage and what you're going to need for sound, but then also for hospitality, your rider. And that's where you hear stories of like Aerosmith or like big bands, like they only want green M&Ms, right? Or stuff <laughs> so like funny that. I was like thinking that exact same thing. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, it, that sounds crazy, but you think about an Aerosmith or a band like that that's been on the road for four years and you need those two minutes of home. If you only love green M&Ms, that's what you need. Right, that's what's in your that's what's in your green room to make your mind and like you feel okay in this arena like locker room. Right. That is disgusting. There's no way around it. You know, it's a sweaty, gross that locker room. Hundreds of people have shared. Yeah. Absolutely. And just dropped all their bodily bodily fluids everywhere. It's like worse than a McDonald's. Great. Worse than a McDonald's touchscreen. Um <laughs> But I can advance with each venue, our rider, and it's very modest at this level. But, you know, you can get maybe a cheese platter or, like, some deli meats or some veggies or, like, some some snack bars, nutrition bars, stuff like that. Those things help Yeah. when you get, get to a venue. Mm. Mm-hmm. Any way to... Um, it probably works more with uh, Shade than anyone else, but getting actual meals... Yeah. You know, like hot meals. Like, hey, we there's this restaurant around the corner from you. We want, yep. you know. That's on me. So yep. when we're pulling into a spot, there's usually someone in the band who is very concerned with food all the time. <laughs> um, <clears throat> and And usually I'll like, you know, a big part of my job is learning kind of the personalities in the van and like f- cultivating those strengths to benefit the group. Because I simply can't do it all. So if I see someone's like always scoping dope spots to get food, it's like, all right, like, you know where the venue is. Like, yo, Charlie, like, what is within a five minute walk of the venue? Like, find some spots, man. Let's go eat some sick burritos in San Diego or whatever. Um, Shade was keto. Two of them were keto. So we always had on our rider, we had pepperonis and like pepperoni or like dried meats and cheese avocados uh that was dope but if we have to go get hot meals it's either on me or we'll all go get them 
Yeah. Some places, like some venues, have restaurants, you know, yeah. some bar places, and we can get them. But. Yeah. Yeah. So meditation, mm-hmm. eating right, those Trying are the to. big ones that come yep. come up the most. Yep. Um, when you can exercise, mm-hmm. uh, when you find yourself having time, mm-hmm. what's the go-to? Yoga. Yeah. Yoga. So I use uh, a travel yoga mat as a packing cube in my suitcase to like press down on the all my stuff. Yeah. Um, there's like straps that I can like pull it in. So, you know, it really doesn't get used as a yoga mat enough <laughs> but that's the thing where i can like take 10 minutes and then then i'm then i'm habit stacking then i'm meditating and i'm stretching yeah and then i can like habit stacking yeah that's, that's so a that's, good phrase so that's a joe holderism joe holder is the uh yeah. he's a previous health warrior he's now a pro nike trainer and um i don't know he's followed by the rock He's probably fucking trained The Rock. I don't know. He does all these huge, huge yeah. clients. He's got this system called the Ocho system, which is all very wrapped up in mindfulness as well. But his big thing is habit snacking or habit stacking and exercise snacks. So, like, if you're going to get up in the morning, how can you combine certain activities that you want to create habits with like if you always make a smoothie can you meditate while you're making the smoothie to do more meditation while also doing something you always do um and if you have you know 15 or 20 minutes what sort of exercise can you get in just to get your heart rate up and then go on with your day for stuff i tried meditating while driving that didn't work so well <laughs> you gotta yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean the meditation thing is it's funny it's it's something that I've always been really, um, it's aware of. I guess is kind of sounds redundant to say I'm aware of meditating, but it uh, it's it's so important. So now there's a lot of confusion with meditating too, because yeah. people think it's this long drawn out process. A lot of times there's a lot of old ideas with it where you have to sit for hours at a time and yeah. be silent and um, yeah, because people look at like the. Uh, like you know, the monk sitting in a yeah. in a yep. you know a courtyard. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, so I meditate, you know, um, and I keep it at the shortest. It'll be about two minutes. At mm-hmm. the longest, it'll be around fifteen. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your style? I never sit silent and meditate. Okay. I always <clears throat> I try to bring awareness to motion. Um, I'm actually really bad at like sitting still. That's why I do it sitting still because I'm terrible at it. I don't like just sitting there not doing anything, so I force myself to. Yeah. Until recently when I started, this is actually a very natural transition into microdosing. Until I started microdosing, I I was not able really to sit still. So, but, you know, uh, and meditate. But recently that's become a bit more possible. But my style for meditation really is like just general awareness of body, you know. So like in the car, I think that's yeah. a great example. Um, I sit behind the wheel for six hours, you know. We all have tendencies, especially in these environments where we're in every day, where we can tune out to not really listen to what, what our body is telling us. So like if you get into a car and you're like always on your left butt cheek, 
like what does that do to your spine? What does that do to your alignment? How does that, um, how does that over six hours, what does that do to you? So like I'm constantly like catching myself tensing and untensing, which is just bringing awareness to your body, which is meditation. If I'm eating too fast because I have to get back in the van, like I'll just take an extra 30 seconds and just like center. I think of meditation really as just a moment to find your center and to remember that you're that you you exist in this body and like you are in control of it, even if you're being pulled through the world. It's like a pause button. Type. Yeah, yeah. Just like just a even if it's thirty seconds. Like there was a just a second ago. I paused and I realized that the birds were chirping outside. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's the beginning of March, and like that is really exciting for me because it means like the sun's out and things are moving and it like creates a general larger awareness than us just sitting in a room on a couch um and i think just even those momentary things if you do them enough like you can create you can create momentum of awareness yeah 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 my shortest meditation what i'll do is i'll just find a couple words or phrases that are important to how i want to live my day and my life and i'll just repeat those a few times until they kind of feel locked in mm-hmm. and then I'll resume what I was doing mm-hmm. you know and it often happens when I find myself getting anxious mm-hmm. you know yesterday I was actually having a pretty anxiety ridden day and for no real reason I couldn't pinpoint why yeah but I was just running hot so yeah. I middle of the morning I just stopped I was in between clients I stopped what I was doing found my four words kept repeating it mm-hmm. and, you know as soon as that happened like two minutes later I was just like all right yeah I'm good let's go yeah. You know? Yeah, I mean, I struggled with anxiety and depression for a very long time. I still do. I don't think I ever won't. And that's something that I've just kind of come around to. And that's why I think maybe awareness has been such a big part of my life because it's so easy to get wrapped up in that stuff. Yeah. And, like, anxiety to me is it feels like a wall that is too big or wide for me to see over, and I am nose to the wall. Like, I'm just so close to something. And so awareness or meditation to me is just like a moment to maybe step back yeah. and just appreciate that I won't ever see the top of the wall right now. And that's okay. Um, you meditate at all, Chris? Try you know, to- like, I don't, I, I would say no. Yeah. Um, it's not something that I like, I'm aware that I'm doing, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'll find myself thinking about things and kind of like doing that, like, take a step back type stuff and trying to look Mm -hmm. at things from a different angle but it's definitely not something like i don't schedule it i don't like sure um you know like i'll find myself in the car just zoning out and then you know i might have a podcast on or listen to the radio and just realize that like i haven't heard a thing for Mm -hmm. for for you know a couple minutes because i've been thinking about something completely Mm -hmm. different you know that type of thing Mm -hmm. but it's definitely not something like you know i don't have like a a, you know a routine yeah that i go to what about when you're lifting and like do you ever find yourself in a flow state um like meaning what like so good like so a flow state would be kind of like it's um it's like that that state where you're just like you're cruising you're on autopilot and you're like you're adding weight you're hitting your you're hitting your goals you're hitting your reps and like it really just becomes Sort of like automatic, in like almost of, like a zone, like yeah, like a zone. yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. You know what? Probably, probably. Um, 
it's funny though within weightlifting i think that zone is a little different than what people expect because um you know from my external experience of of you lifting your zone is kind of being really personable and chatty and talkative in between your lifts like you're in your zone but you're like feeling it you're riding that wave you're good you're communicating with people outside you might give a kid coaching cues or something then go right back to your lift and nail the lift you if know? i'm louder when i'm lifting like if i'm louder and i'm doing that exactly yeah. i'm typically like doing well yeah. if i'm withdrawn yeah it's mm -hmm. not i'm not having a good day mm -hmm. yep. right you know what i mean yeah and sometimes i remind myself of that because i'll like start to like Oh, it's like a big lift coming up, like a, a heavy lift or something. Yeah. So I'll start like withdrawing up. though, and oh, I'll okay. start like, and I'm like almost like, no, dude, don't do that. Yeah. I think I even told you like I've changed my like pre, um, meet pre competition playlists. Mm -hmm. I used to have like real intense shit. Yeah. And get into it, and yep. now I've like noticed that I've gotten into more kind of like upbeat, like happier shit. Sure. That just get me. Yeah. Like a good song, like yeah. just a song that I like. Yeah. Like, it doesn't have to, like... Get you pumped. Yeah, like, like I'm not going to war. Like, I'm yeah. just going to lift some weights. Yeah, It's right. kind of how uh, I've I've always looked at the... Uh, I use powerlifters as, or strongmen as the example, but, like, those guys you see that, like, slap each other, you know, get real amped up before they go rip a lift. I'm like, no. Yeah. I just want to, like, chill. Like, everyone's right. having a good time. We're in the gym. We're in our happy place. All right, I'm just going to go move some weight now. Yeah. You know? I mean, everybody's different. Yeah, I respect the people sure. that need that. Like, some people, that's that's their shit. Um, I've, I've found that, though, competition day, I am kind of, like, I don't love, like, the joke. It gets kind of funny because it's, like, I'd like to be interactive, but I'm, like, don't, like, don't fuck around too much. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah you don't you know get mean? too like, loose. Like, I got to, like, get too loose. It's game day. Yeah. You, you know? get your head in it. Right, right. Yeah. Which... To Tom's point, I think that is your meditative state. You know, or it might be. I mean, well, like, close to. yeah. I mean, I think that that flow thing is like that's becoming poetry. You know, like you are you are so much yourself that you don't have to think about anything. You're just like doing and not overanalyzing anything, and that's being fully present in yourself. And I think that that is meditation. You know, that is like. I used to run a lot. I, I definitely was really into it, and then I got an injury and haven't been running um, really at all. But there was a time where, so I did Boston in 16, and then the next year, the next like spring season, I did three halves in three months with my partner, Emily. And um, we did the North Face Endurance Challenge, Brooklyn Half, and then ran a half marathon in Monument Valley. Or, I'm sorry. Sorry. When was uh, Falmouth? Falmouth, I mean. That's that, August. That's a August. Yeah, I did was that, that 16, though, or was that the year after? I ran Falmouth like four years in a row. Yeah. I did that. Yeah. Cause we, well, we did it together. Yeah, was we did. Was that pre-Boston or post? Post. Okay. Yeah, that was post. So that was right in between the Boston and the three halves. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like a really light running season compared to some of these other sure. people who are like... You know, oh, yeah. our buddy, some, our we buddy, have some maniacs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Jordan. Jo yeah, our buddy Jordan from Grafton. He, he. So then, we had that. I did just briefly. Did Boston three halves that next season. The next spring, I was training for a fifty k, which is thirty two miles, with my partner. I got injured, which is when my running career ended. She ended up running that fifty k. Our buddy Jordan and our buddy Bradley ran hundred k's the same race. And then our buddy Bradley went on to the next season 
or sorry, to that August, far five months later, to run a hundred miles in Leadville, and like, and he had done like ten races that season leading up to Leadville, mm. you know. So my one marathon one year and three halves the next year is like <laughs> child's play. Um, but there was, uh, and during that North Face run, you know, it's thirteen miles. The last four of it were that flow state for me. There's like. We summited the mountain two or three times, and the last four miles are down a downhill, obviously, over a boulder field, and then coming down through some trails. And I remember going over that boulder field, and I'm just like basically doing high knees, running full speed downhill on a mountain, writing music in my head, being like, like having breakthroughs in some song that I'd been struggling with for months, and not thinking about anything. The running. Nothing about running at all. Just running, auto. just total autopilot. And See, that, I think running can, not to cut you off, running yeah. can be more like that than like weightlifting can. Sure. Yeah, I don't know anything about weightlifting. Yeah, you know I mean, <laughs> just because the technical aspect of it, not that the running can't be technical. Yeah. But kind of everybody knows how to run. Yep. Like, yeah. You know it's I mean? a human element. You should mm -hmm. can just take over. Mm -hmm. Whereas I think weightlifting can. Yeah, if you, if you slip, like you have a lot of weight above your head. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. To to go back to that, do you think that's some sort of to get you to that state? Like, was there some is there some sort of like chemical release? Do you think from the exercise, like triggering something in your brain that got you to that creative spot? Yeah, definitely. I mean, that was at the end of a race, and I, I misspoke. That that race was the third of the three. Um, so I'd been training, I'd been succeeding. Yeah. Um, so my body was totally in shape. I think. I'd hit that like runner's high probably. I'd also used to train and run having eaten five to 10 milligrams of marijuana. So I would like, I used to, I used to run a lot on like low or micro dose of THC. And that was for me, like I used to getting back to like sitting and clenching or, you know, that anxiety stuff. When I would run, I would clench a lot in my jaw and in my neck and um it was you know marijuana thc it was never really weed smoking it but ingesting something that i could digest over time and kind of just um ease into yeah that helped a lot and i think that was you know i ran that that uh, north face one on like five or ten milligrams the one that we did in Monument Valley, which is like the backdrop of every Western or yeah. like the Marlboro ads. Yeah. We ran a half marathon through those monument pillars and um, I ate some edibles for that too. And it's just like such a wonderful way to, to ease into that state and to allow the flow to kind of happen. You know, if you take too much, you can obviously get like, uh, you, you know, really bad dry mouth when you're running. It's like... <laughs> terrible um or like overthinking things or whatever that anxiety that can happen if you ingest too much or get marijuana. too loose or yeah. get too loose yeah yeah and just like kind of slow down and end start. up under a tree right <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> exactly but that's that was the cool thing about trail running as opposed to boston i remember like i would you know you're running on mountains and stuff you can't literally run up mountains and you get to the top and you like take 30 seconds yeah. and look at this amazing vista it's the payoff of that stuff, on or not on marijuana. It's just yeah. like that's what's really wonderful about that.
So talking about athletics coupled with like marijuana yeah. and stuff. So obviously you like have you seen like recently um the NFL's kinda talked about legalizing I, marijuana. I heard about this. Um, actually. I, I'm not always, yeah. I'm not big into sports, but I, I heard that this was like this was happening. I was like, yeah. that's fucking great. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because forever it's been on the banned substance list. Yep. Um, yep. You know, so any, it'll get that, you know, basically is the same as a performance enhancer for those guys. Um, but, you know, the knock, the crazy part is, is that's illegal, mm-hmm. but, you know, Vicodin, Percocet. Yeah. Drugs. All those, Hard yeah. drugs. Yeah. And yeah. One of the things the NBA kind of has a don't don't ask don't tell policy with it like they don't test for it yeah they just let the marijuana fly okay you know but it is still on their banned substance yeah right list, like they know? could knock you for it if you're do- fucking up something i don't yeah. think i don't know what theirs is yeah i'm not sure but they just like they don't talk about it and now the nfl was always pretty much persecuting for it yep you know yep whereas we've talked about it i've talked about it with particular clients and even recommended it for some with pain relief mm-hmm. and inflammation mm-hmm. reduction, you know, mm-hmm. uh, chronic anxiety and depression as well, you mm-hmm. know. So the fact that you're putting your body through that much stress and trauma in a professional setting and you can't use this plant that is, you know, proven to be medi- medically beneficial for you. Yeah. But like Chris said, here's a bunch of pills. Yeah. Pop these pills that our uh, sponsored doctors are endorsing. Yeah. <laughs> and that make you need more of them. Yep. Yeah, I think the, you know, the, using marijuana, using psilocybin even, it's like, mm-hmm. obviously these things can be abused. They are not physically addictive. They can be potentially mentally addictive if you abuse them. But bringing it back to awareness, like I, when I took five milligrams and went for a 13-mile run, I was more in tune with my alignment. I was calibrating my breath and my cadence and like just really falling into it so i don't know i mean for me it was kind of performance enhancing while i was running but then i would get home from a 13 mile run and like my body would be toast and you need to take a bath and like yeah you know take a little bit of weed (laughs) it's like it's amazing did you have to get used to doing that like dosing before a run like did you like yeah. first time out were like yeah well i mean too I, much too much I, yeah. yeah exactly <laughs> right. i mean like you know the training period for a marathon is like i did uh, uh like five months which is like pretty long they're usually like three and a half or four and so yeah i started experimenting with it early because i've been smoking i've been smoking weed since i was 18 so it's definitely been a part of my life um uh and you know, what are you going to do for f- fucking six hours while you're out? You know, like, well, maybe I'll get a little stoned this time. Let's see how this goes. And there were times, especially, you know, I figured out that smoking it wasn't the best way, obviously, because just breathing. Lung capacity. Lung capacity. But then I also realized, like, the intake and how fast smoking hits you right. is not conducive to going out for six hours because then you're not going to be, you're going to be, it's going to be out of alignment. Yeah, right. Like if you eat weed, you ingest it, and it's like a nice slow rise. Right. And so like I'll get a little stoned over the next two hours, and then I'll kind of peak and then come down. It'll be nice and soft versus like smoking, getting stoned, and then not being stoned in like an hour and a half, uh, especially as you're moving so much through your body. Um, the dosage. I actually did, when I did the one in Monument Valley, 
um, I was given the edible that I took in the morning. This is at like six or whatever in the morning, you know, probably ate a little bit of food, not enough, but so pretty much an empty stomach. So it hits you a lot faster, faster. you know, 30, 40 minutes. I took 10 milligrams instead of what I thought was five. And so that was a surprise to me because I'd been training on five milligrams. You accidentally took 10? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then I'm in the middle of the desert at 630 in the morning and like, <laughs> and it's like fear and loathing shit happening where it's like you see all this like amazing structure around you, all these striations of like the way that the sand over millions of years has compounded. And right. like, then I start thinking about how this used to be an ocean and I'm like running on like, you know, like ocean Jurassic beds. ocean bed. And then I start thinking about all these dinosaurs and I was like, fuck, I am stoned. I am way too stoned <laughs> to be running this, but like, uh, but not way too stoned, just more stoned than I thought I'd be, you know? And that was a moment of awareness where I was just like, all right, well now I'm here, you know, like this is, this is how this run is going to be. And I'm with some of my best friends and I'm in an amazing place, and I'm just going to focus a little more than I thought I had to. But yeah. it's still, but that was all just another way of, like, a roundabout way of just being aware, of just, like, coming back to center, being in my body and, like, completing a task. Which is kind of funny. That's probably the uh, essential element or the essential reason it was ever used even in ancient times it wasn't just a goof around thing it was a hey we're gonna ceremoniously yeah ingest this yeah and i think that that was that's probably the point i was trying awareness. to get to it's really like well like enlightenment yeah yeah <clears throat> right right like i've seen um and heard different stories that people talk about um like the moses burning bush mm -hmm. very very likely could have been um you know, like some sort of psychedelic yeah. tree yeah. that was burned. Right. Homies were communing with aliens. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> they, they were... Right. They, all of that. All of it's so... Or just gods, right? I mean, yeah. they were literally having conversations with the gods. So it's yeah. like, uh, maybe... <laughs> yeah. maybe, maybe don't that eat was, that plant next time. Maybe that was enhanced. Or, or maybe just, not as much. Yeah, yeah, right. Just be aware that you are eating that plant. Uh, so I think that's one thing, though, too, that's like kind of, you know, and we have... We have parents of athletes and athletes listen to this program. So yeah, just like, of you know, there are like, you know, dangers of. Absolutely. You know, and I did air quotes just for the people. <laughs> yeah. For the um, listeners. You know, there are dangers that, you know, love somebody who isn't an experience, is experienced mm -hmm. and gets in that mode and starts thinking about shit. And maybe their anxiety goes the other way. Oh, and yeah. they start thinking about dinosaurs and then all of a sudden they see dinosaurs and then yeah. they're like fucking dinosaurs chasing them. And then, yeah. you know. No, it's, yeah, you really have to be aware of it. You really do. And for any student athletes, I mean, like, it's not something to fuck around with. My, my sister is 18. She's got an NCAA scholarship, NCAA scholarship yep. to St. Mike's. It's like, if you are tested for this stuff, you'll lose $45,000. Right. More than what it was worth to do. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, but the, the same goes for drinking. You know, it, it can come across any any board. You know, even at this point, picking up cigarettes, even though it's not a hallucinogen, the the toll that it has on your body, and you might not lose a scholarship, but the the negative health impact that you're creating, the effect on your performance mm. that you're creating, you know, all these things have their yeah. risks. I saw a good anti-smoking ad like on a bus stop. It was like 
a pair of lungs constructed out of matches. And it said, and it was just starting to burn on like one of the top of the lungs. Uh, and it said, even when you smoke, stop smoking, lung cancer doesn't stop. And it was just like, you know, you're doing so much damage, irreparable damage to your body when you do shit like that. Um, that's just not worth it. And, yeah. you know, young athletes, young people don't think about, um, and, but then you, but then you get addicted and then you can't stop and then you're harming yourself and you're not aware. The fact that people still smoke cigarettes blows my mind, it's, knowing what we know about it. Like, and it's the fact that young people start smoking cigarettes. It's like, what? Well, I think the young, I, the young people smoking and vaping and that stuff, I have more of an understanding of it. When you're young, you're invincible, yeah. right? You, in your brain, you're like, dude, I'm not, you know what I mean? A, I'm not going to get addicted to it. B, yeah. you know, even if I do, I'm good. I'll get off. When You know what yeah. I mean? Whereas, like, it's the older generations that are like, I've seen people that are like in their 30s, like start smoking. I'm like, yeah. what the yeah. fuck are you thinking? Yeah. You know what I mean? When I was, uh, you know, just out of college, friends would smoke, you know, outside of a bar or something. You go around, and, you know, I, I started bumming one. I would, I would socially yep. do it. And then mm -hmm. the first day I bought a pack, I was like, okay, problem. Nope, this yeah. is done. You know, and I haven't touched it since then. It yeah. was probably like a two, three month span that I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll try one. You know, all right, I'll step outside with you. And it was once you got to that, like, wait, I just did $8 to do what to myself? Yeah, Fuck right. this. Yeah, yeah. The, so the social part of it is, I mean, there was a winter, I lived up in a cabin in northern Vermont. <laughs> and, you know. Wait, who was your roommate? I was a 70-year-old widow who was badass. We had a horse out back. She'd get up at, like, 5 every morning, go tend to the horse, drive 20 miles on the other side of the mountain to go do social work for uh, underprivileged and at-risk youth. And then, like, come back, tend to the horse. The whole the cabin was he heated by wood. Like, she built the cabin. She's amazing. Sandy Bowman. Um, but I worked in a restaurant. I booked the music there. I played music there. Um, and everyone smoked cigarettes or smoked spliffs, which mm -hmm. is a dangerous zone as well. Uh, spliff is half marijuana, half tobacco, for anyone who's not aware. And... Um, and I found myself by the end of that season, it was literally from Thanksgiving to uh, Mother's Day that I lived up there, that I was rolling spliffs or just rolling cigarettes by the end. And I picked up a habit. I was trying to save money, right, to yeah. like cut my weed and stretch it by putting tobacco in it. But it was also like, someone's going out to smoke a cigarette, sure, I'll go. I'm in the middle of the woods, nothing to do. Um, and that's when I was like, oh, I can't, I can't be doing this to myself, you know. Yeah. And I'm going out with this Irish band. They all smoke. Everyone in Europe smokes. And I'm going to be hanging out with them for five and a half weeks. And it's yep. like something where I'm going to, you know, I'm and in music, you're around it all the time. Yeah. People are smoking late at night outside clubs. and. So that actually brings up a good question. Do they smoke in the van? I will not allow it. Yeah. I'm not going to let it happen. And and that's interesting. I've been thinking about it because it might uh, affect our, what I call an ETC, estimated time of commute. Um, you know, you look up Google Maps, it's going to tell you how long it takes you to get from here to there. Yeah. But that doesn't account for pee breaks, lunch, gas, traffic. Cigarette breaks. Cigarette breaks. Yeah. 
uh, I've toured with some other other bands that do smoke cigarettes. They don't smoke them in the van. It is like a, you know, we might be stopping a little bit more to get to make sure we don't hit empty. Uh, but they're just taking cigarette breaks. Is there a compromise of like, all right, whoever's in the last seat in the way back with the window open can smoke out the window? No, because we're in we're in Sprinters, Mercedes Sprinters, the big black band things. Yep. Those windows don't yep. go down in the back. So it would really be like whoever's driving in that scenario. But yeah, and in that, yeah. it can come into the van and blow through the whole thing. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I think I'm the only one who probably doesn't smoke. There's going to be nine of us, and I will be the one out of eight who doesn't smoke cigarettes. <laughs> Jesus. Yep. So, I, I have a lot of good amount of friends that when they're drinking will yeah, smoke. Right. You know, yeah. they'll step outside. Yeah. I, I got zero interest. Like yeah. Zero. Mm-hmm. Like I've just never. I could probably count the amount of cigarettes I've smoked in my life. That's amazing. You know what I mean? It's incredible. Yeah. But then I mean, you look. Do you, either your parents smoke? So my mom used to. Yeah. My like, dad did up until eleven years ago. He, yeah. But he started when he was thirteen. Like, and that yeah. was wow. That was in the mid '60s. You know. Right. It's rolled them up. In his, he rolled them up in his sleeve. Dude, straight up. <laughs> right. Straight yeah. up. Yeah. Would walk around with one behind his ear yeah. in school and stuff. But back then, like, no one cared. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't a thing for us. No, the back then, like Mickey Mantle was endorsing him. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> get this but, shit in your lungs, like yeah. you know. Yeah, I mean, my parents. I grew up my with my. I lived with my grandparents for a while with my mom and uh, my grandmother. Lost a lung from secondhand smoke. She also had multiple heart surgeries. She had cancer, other stuff. But my grandfather smoked forever. My mom smoked forever. My stepdad smoked forever. My uncle still smokes. Uh, but once it was out of the house, then like, and you're not inundated with it. You smell it on people, and yep. like, it's I remember bad. I went to buy my first car, and I took my buddy Bobby with me. Um, and we were just going shopping around. We got in this one car. I was like, oh, I kind of I kind of dig this. He goes, yeah, but it reeks like cigarettes. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, mm-hmm. what? Because my dad was still smoking at the time. I was like, what are you talking about? I don't smell a thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, the salesman came over. He's like, yeah, so this is a great ride, right? And my buddy Bob was like, yeah, but what are you going to do about cleaning the smell out of it? And he's like, oh, you noticed that, huh? Mm. And I was like, I, I didn't. <laughs> you know. But now that my dad hasn't smoked in 11 years... When I smell cigarettes, I'm just like disgusted. It's immediate. I yeah, I'll notice it on the street and like start looking around to see who has it and like hold my breath as I walk by them so I'm not breathing because it's so it's such a gross. Well, at the gym, I hate it. Like we'll have so during like the nice day when it starts getting nice. Well, no, because because we're in between advanced auto parts and Honeydew, so we'll have the doors wide open. People are ripping butts outside. Yep, you know, and and it just comes in and it sucks. Because it's like it people are running out and it's a beautiful day, get to exercise, get a little bit of fresh air while you do it, yeah. and then all of a sudden, take a nice, you know, yeah. secondhand smoke inhalation. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. <laughs> it's in the front, you get the cigarettes. In the back, you got the exhaust from the drive-thru. <laughs> right, right. Or the employees taking cigarette breaks up. There. Yeah, right. No, yeah, the cigarettes is a, we could probably rant for hours about that, you know. Mm-hmm. It's a whole nother thing. But, like, why isn't that on the banned substance list? <laughs> In any sports, you know? Yeah, right. Like, just for their general health and well-being. Right. Yo, don't do this shit. I wonder how many, like, if there are any. I know it used to be big in baseball. Dip. 
Right. Dips it's still is huge. well. Dips still huge, but dudes used to just rip yep. butts. Like they'd go yep. down and like the who was it? The last coach, the Detroit Giant, Jim Leland, wasn't he taking smoke breaks in the aisle? Yeah, like he would go into the hallway and he would in like the dugout. he would like down to like the nub. Yep, he would go into the hallway though because they didn't want him being seen on camera doing right. it. Right, so he would bounce into the hallway of the dugout, rip a cigarette, and come like in between innings, and then come <laughs> back out. Jesus. And then there's that old famous photo of uh, Len, Dawson. Len Dawson, Len Dawson. Yeah. football player that? sitting on a bench in what it's it was, like Super Bowl. It's like the second Super Bowl, yeah. <laughs> the jacket second on. Super Bowl, yep. which was also only in the '60s. So okay. the Super Bowl hasn't been around yeah, for yeah, yeah. crazy long. But yeah. yeah, he's sitting on a bench, jacket on, in between plays, smoking a cigarette. No, it's in the locker room, but still, oh, it's like yeah. at halftime. But he's he's like ripping a butt, and then I think he has like a sprite. Right. You know what I mean? Yep. All of his endorsements at the time. Yeah, right. <laughs> I remember, now that you bring that up, I remember playing pickup basketball with my dad and friends, and in between games while we're drinking Gatorades, he would rip a butt and then come back out onto the court and keep playing. And thinking about that now, you're just like, how? Yeah. How did you do that? Right. You know, and it was nothing for him. When right. I played semi-pro, there were guys that would rip butts pre-game and, and halftime. Jesus. Semi-pro what? Football. Okay. Yeah. So... I mean, it's. I mean, they call it semi-pro. It's really amateur. It's like what I mean. This is the name Neat they stuff. call it. Um, but yeah, I mean, there were guys that would go, you know, go out the back of the locker room and yeah, rip butts. But and I'm like, like, do you ever catch anyone running, smoking, smoking cigarettes? No, I mean, not smoking cigarettes. Well, uh, sure, it's all of our whole discussion about smoking weed, but no, I. I don't think so. Probably it's it's just not prevalent in the running community. Yeah, it's just... I think you get a lot of ex smokers. Yep. Right. I mean, yep. Tony talked about it. Yep. Yeah. Uh, one of our former uh, a guests that we had before. Yep. He just kind of ran his first marathon, and he um... he quote, got invited to Boston this year. Yeah. No way. Yeah. Qualified. Yep. That's awesome. Uh, no, they give bibs for his running club. Okay. And he put his name in and got one of the bibs. That's awesome. Yep. That's awesome. I just hope they have it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, but I think you know smoking cigarettes. I think about it a lot because I have a family member who's like struggling with addictions, whether it's alcohol or he's, he he smokes a lot and mm-hmm. has forever, and he's always the type who's like talking about quitting, but just doesn't do it. And I think about again awareness and like what habits are and what they do and what they quell and what they're good and not good for, and like you get into the, your body gets acquainted with this release and then you turn to it a lot and then you find yourself turning to it even when you might not need a release mm-hmm. and then it gets associated with all these other sort of like qualifiers, good or bad, that you use literally as a crutch. And then like, and if for some people, if you take that crutch away, they need to fill it with running. They need to fill it with extreme sports. Eating. They need to fill it with eating. Yeah, well, I was gonna say that's those are positive yeah, fillers. But it could be negative. Right. Yeah, they could turn to destructive. I mean, trading bad habits is a thing for yep. sure. And like people in AA, I mean, it's it's always funny to me that like, you know, you see an AA meeting like getting out and like everyone outside's ripping butts. Ripping butts. It's just like I understand that you're struggling and you're like, you need to, you need to slowly transition or else you'll pull the rug out from underneath yourself. But you know, that also should be a focus, you know, like preserving your life. You're, you're quitting drinking because it's ruining your life, but you're not stopping ruining your life by ripping butts, you know, like, Mm -hmm. 
but that's that's the mental awareness thing that uh, that health being healthy is all about it's it's tough right because you can make the argument that you're taking the shortcut there <laughs> you know what i mean mm-hmm. like by boot trading yeah trading right. cigarettes for booze absolutely like, yeah absolutely um but yeah it's it's like my dad my dad i mean my dad's not listen to this podcast but um he's he he was a you know former alcoholic mm-hmm. and when he stopped he kind of always dabbled in like the lottery and scratch tickets and stuff mm-hmm. but his his gambling like shot through the roof yeah you know what i mean right. you'd go to his truck and there's just like scratch tickets everywhere yep. you know yep. but that you know he just replaced one addiction for another pretty much yeah you know but he still you know he still gambles not as much anymore mm-hmm. but he doesn't drink at all so mm-hmm. yeah. you know you kind of find that yeah. balance of I mean, everyone's got to have vices you know some people even listening to this probably think that like smoking weed is a vice yep. even if that you can prove benefit to it you know, if you abuse it, it becomes a bad thing. But, yeah. like, everyone's got vices. I mean, I love sitting around on the couch. I fucking love it. <laughs> I love sitting around on the couch. I love just watching Netflix. And, like, I even recognize that that's a vice. But, like, I also spend 30 to 35 weeks out of the year moving. Yeah. Not sitting around. Um, and so, like, it's, like, it's all a matter of personal perspective. But I think also the awareness is the biggest thing. You know, if you can have a cigarette every couple weeks with some friends and have a good conversation you know you're not smoking a pack a day yeah and hopefully then you're buying like a a, or rolling even a homemade cigarette of good quality tobacco you're not doing the right the uh i'm not smoking a marlboro yeah exactly something um i think you can even look at other aspects of of life as vices too there's some people who just feel better when they're a dick to other people, like giving into that anger mm-hmm. and stuff. You know, that's a vice. You know, not controlling your emotions can be very much a vice. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are there are aspects of that. There are vices everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, coffee, chocolate. You mm-hmm. know, doesn't matter. There's vices everywhere. Mm-hmm. Exercise, exercise. Yeah, you know I mean, there's there's everything. People people got different ways to to handle. You know, like the anxiety, Life. right? Like I know yeah. me. Like, talking about being a dick, I know that, like, if I don't lift for, like, two days in a row, like, my mood changes. Like, okay. I know that for a fact. Like, yep. you know what I mean? I, I'm like, dude, I need to do something. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I'm like, I, I love sitting on the couch, too. Dude, I'll go through. I've watched The Office, like, seven times. Like, <laughs> through. Right. Um, I, like, have two speeds, I feel like. I'm, like, either full speed, on the go, yeah. don't stop, or yeah. complete halt. Yeah. You know, there's, like, no in between for me. Yeah. I don't know. See, my, my mood changes the most, as, and we joke about it with food. I get fucking oh, angry. Me too. Like, I, I'm eating, like, every three hours. Yep. If, if I'm not, I'm snapping at people. I'm, like, yeah. biting people's heads off, yeah. you know? I'm just, yeah. like, bring me a donut. I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. It's funny because, like, going to, like, a deeper conversation, and we talked about it a little bit, like, chemicals in the brain. Um, I was listening to a podcast, and they were talking about, like, you know, doing different doing like microdoses and things like that and how like just they figured out how like little you know little slight mm-hmm. changes in the chemicals in your mm-hmm. brains can affect your mood can it check you know affect all these different things mm-hmm. and then just got me thinking like you know not everybody's baseline chemicals in the brain are the same so right. it's it's right yeah. you know like the way that i perceive something something completely different from the way that you perceive it and then the way that i figured out how to alter those chemicals is this way the way that mm-hmm. you figured it out is this way you know and it's all 
just yeah. simplifying that, it's like not everyone's going to squat the same. Not everyone's movement patterns are going to be the same. You could have 90 ACLs, not all of them are the same. Not right. all the injuries are the same. You know, everyone's path to recovery, path to health is going to be a little different. Mm -hmm. You know, and like you said, those baselines are just a little skewed for everyone. So it's going to take a little bit different work to get the right balance of things. And right. that's, I think, where the key word in all this is micro. You know, yeah. you start small. You, yeah. you work real small yeah. to figure this out. Yeah. Yeah. It, and, you know, I feel like I keep harping on awareness because I think it's really interesting in this mm. context. But, like, the microdosing thing, depending on the substance, there's this book by this um, writer named Michael Pollan. He wrote mm -hmm. Omnivore's Dilemma. Yep. Um, he wrote... The Runner's... Uh, runner's High or something like that? No, he didn't. He, he mostly writes about food. He's a food writer, essentially. And Health Warrior was actually kind of started off of, founded off of the Omnivore's Dilemma and um, Christopher McDougall's book, oh, Born to Run. Um, but he wrote a book recently called How to Change Your Mind, which is an exploration uh, and research into psychedelics. Historically, um, from in defense of food, in defense of food, right? Um, and historically, from you know older societies and, and tribes and how they used it medicinally, all the way through Tim Leary and how like it got shut down by the government after the '60s surge into now the resurgence of uh, psychedelics, MDMA, ecstasy, mushrooms. LSD being researched at Johns Hopkins and like all over the right. country. And, but what he gets into, and he's a really astute writer. He's not like talking about, you know, seeing dragons and like subjective shit. He's like collecting <laughs> very vast amounts of data and distilling it down into digestible books um, as a food writer, digestible. <laughs> um, but he, one of the interesting things that he talks about in terms of microdosing or in terms of, therapeutic doses of psilocybin is that we all have uh, our brains all different all are trained based upon our experiences to solve problems however they made sense to us and over time our brains have developed pathways of least resistance to solve a problem i feel stressed out i'm going to smoke a cigarette that's the shortest path to quell that anxiety um and, and you develop habits, good or bad, to find solutions to your everyday life. And microdosing or therapeutic doses, what it can do is really, if you think of your brain and your thought patterns as a sledding hill, uh, you, you know, every once in a while you can bounce off the path, but you're going to go down that well-trodden path a lot. Having a therapeutic dose is like getting a fresh blanket of snow over that hill. It provides opportunity over time for you to forge new pathways and perhaps develop good habits. And it brings awareness to the fact that there's other opportunities for you to That's an interesting find solutions. You know, it's like stepping away from that wall, pulling your nose away from it, and just being like, okay, this is a big-ass wall. Like, what? how do I interact with this? Versus, like, I need to smash my head against this wall because it's the only thing I can see. You know, so it's it provides opportunity for you to see that there is, it provides opportunity for you to see that there's opportunities rather than just one option. And I mean, I think as an athlete, as a 
musician, as an artist, as a human, just being aware of of yourself and your options to, you know, you don't always have to eat McDonald's when you see McDonald's. You can use it as a tool maybe to remind yourself of home or you can, like, use it to inspire you to eat better. Uh, like you said, just stepping back from that wall for a minute. Yeah, right. Or, like, running. Like, you know, you can train your body to to move in different ways. You don't always have to move the same way. You just need to be aware of what those other movements are and like what moving poorly feels like, you know, not everyone squats the same way. Right. But we talk about it all the time, just having like body awareness, you know, what you're, absolutely. you know, there's certain people that, um, you know, I was just at uh what do you call it? Great Wolf Lodge. And the amount of people that have like zero spatial awareness mm. is fucking amazing. Mm. Like, I'm going to be going to Disney soon too. Like oh that place God. is like the number one spot for it. <laughs> you just got so stressed oh, out. Oh God. <laughs> um, it is like, it's crazy to me, but I think there's tons of people that just have zero like self-awareness. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's like zero kind of idea of what they, where they are in the world. Yeah. I mean, we're flooded with so much input all day. Every moment, especially with our phones, it's like crazy. there's just so much happening and there's there's so so easily able now to just like not think about moving through your day and you know the options and the choices that you have before you rather than just falling into these patterns and that can become destructive even if it's just sitting on the couch it's funny, I didn't, never really thought of it this way, but it's the same thing. It's like a vice. Like you mm -hmm. said, like something will come in and it's like just an uncomfortable second and mm -hmm. I'm like, grab my phone, look yep. at it. Like just yeah. cuz. Because yeah. mm -hmm. it's like it breaks that uncomfortable, like me and you are sitting here, we haven't talked yet, mm -hmm. like or something. Mm -hmm. And that's my vice. Yeah. You know? Um, I saw an interesting thing about like phones, how they're basically just become an extension like of yourself. Yeah. Because everything of yours is there yeah it's literally like a part of you it's just like an extra body part yeah it's fucked up to think of it that way but it's i mean okay. my my i don't even know where it is that's in my pocket my phone and my cell phone iphone in particular i feel like i can i can think of something that i need to get done and immediately solve the problem on my phone on my iphone i got an apple watch for christmas that i love mom but um it doesn't feel like that yet it like the the structure of it, the like thought patterns that I need to like bury in my mind and preconceive before I can solve a problem on it aren't there yet. Yeah. So it doesn't feel like an extension of myself, even though it's made by the same company. It's basically the same sort of structure. It's just not there. But I've had an iPhone for when did I get my when did when did iPhone even come out? I've probably had an iPhone for like ten years now. I was gonna say like two thousand ten ish, right? Yeah, I think. Yeah, I mean that. Honestly, like, I know it is taboo, and obviously, Teddy, you can cut this sort of stuff, but that microdosing on psilocybin really has brought that sort of awareness to mind all the time. You know, um, the basically, like, if you thought of someone, like, tripping on mushrooms, you know, they'd take about, like, three and a half grams, like an eighth, and that's when you start, that's when the you're, that's when the right. spatially shit changes. But I've been, my partner and I have been microdosing um, on mushrooms. And basically, it's a capsule filled with like 0.1 grams, 0.1 to like 0.15. Uh, 
and it's a four-day cycle. Day one, one pill. Day two, one pill. Day three, two pills. Day four, off. So you're never taking more than 0.25 grams of mushrooms, you know, and it's a nominal effect. I don't drink coffee, but it feels like like a strong cup of coffee. You get like very talkative. You get very sort of like kind of just excited. Heightened. Yeah, just heightened. Um, but it was it was microdosing on psilocybin that made me really slow down. The meditation thing that we're talking about, not being able to like sit still. When I was younger, I used to. There's a schoolyard in my backyard. And uh, in the summer, they'd let the grass grow long and it's kind of windy over there. And I would like sit on a hill and watch the wind roll through the grass. And like you can look at all the wind rolling like big depletions across the field. Or you could try to focus on like all the, the blades, right? And what that is, is simply uh, sitting in calmness and allowing time to pass by. Uh, and that came back. That actually like that that allowance of, of moments to kind of pass and to kind of just observe no judgment, if you will, yeah. about what's happening, just kind of take it in. It eased anxiety a lot. It eased social anxiety a lot because I was no longer like having to fix yeah. what's feeling and be like, Oh, I just feel a little weird right now. <clears throat> so so what? Yeah, yeah. You know, like, yeah, I'm good with it though. Yeah, right. It's, I'm weird. It's but. all it's all good. <laughs> and like and but I'm weird, but like everyone else is weird too. Right, right. Like right. we're all weird. Yeah. And so um I know that that might be a little taboo for the podcast, but I do think No, it's good because I think like that it's it's look it. People are cool with like we talked about it. People are cool with like guys in the NFL doing painkillers. Yeah. Um people are okay with nobody has a problem with really with people drinking, yeah. right? Um, God, it's encouraged. You know what I mean? Um, so it's just like, it's just one of those things. Um, I talk about him all the time, but Joe Rogan talks about it. Like people, you know, you need to drink responsibly, mm -hmm. but he's like, people need to, people always learned how to smoke weed and do psychedelics wrong. Right. He's yeah. like, he's like, you know, everyone just smokes weed. And like the, when you started growing, you know, to smoking weed, when you just fucking yep. just pass a bowl around until like, yeah. Nobody could see anymore. Yeah. And he's like, that's not like, that's you know, not what no. it is. Right. That's not what it is. Yeah. He's like, you know, you can get it to those points, whether it's even just microdosing or just mm -hmm. like, you know, not abusing it. Yeah. You know, because um, people abuse alcohol. People abuse pain pills. People abuse Advil. Yeah. People abuse you, you coffee. food, coffee, yeah. exercise, exactly, everything. Exactly, dude. You need to learn how to eat. You need to learn how to exercise. Yeah. You need to learn how to drink learn how to use coffee learn how to drive like everything needs right. a learning curve yeah right you can do anything in excess yeah anything yeah. so it's like you know there it's i think it's one of the things that's like socially unacceptable right but to, there, to talk there about are it, cities but like, it's starting to come back yeah right? i mean like to, oakland just decriminalized it denver right. decriminalized psilocybin um uh santa cruz california decriminalized it like these cities are recognizing especially with big institutions like John Hopkins and these other places doing research into the therapeutic uses of these substances. It's like they're learning how to use them. Right. They're then now they're teaching people how to use them and to recover and live better lives. Which that's huge too, that they make it, um, that it's, 
not illegal anymore because right. now those places can do studies mm-hmm. funded. You know, mm-hmm. universities yeah. studied because before when it was illegal, federally illegal, you couldn't, you even, couldn't study even study it. Yeah. So now, like, you didn't have the, you know. And I think one of the big things, too, is just talking about it. Yeah. Like, just being open and having a conversation about it doesn't mean that you're abusing it. Having a conversation about it doesn't mean you're doing anything illegal, you know. I mean, the reason why I started microdosing at all is because my mom recommended it. She got that book by Michael Pollan from one of her higher sales VPs at work. And they were, I mean, talk about trippy. They were on like a yacht in like Long Island Sound on like a sales meeting or something. And this guy was like, have you read this book by Michael Pollan? How to Change Your Mind? <laughs> and, and, and my mom got it. Listened to, she travels more than I do. Listened to it on audiobooks and was just like, Tom, I think this is, I think this is really important. I think you should check this out. And, you know, I was familiar with Michael Pollan and read the book and it, I think it's really important. I think yeah. you should check it out. Just talking <laughs> yeah. about it. Yeah. Out. Just, de- yeah. Again, just to like destigmatize it because, yeah. you know, going back to my history where I worked with kids with developmental disabilities, with behavior, mm-hmm. you know, issues, um, with all types of stuff. I mean, some of those kids were pumped to the gills with different types of medications. Yeah, and, um, you know, that's almost just looked at as like, oh, that's that's what you got to do. Yeah. And like, that's there's other now. ways, man. There's other like, it's it just, and a lot of those those drugs have some serious hardcore side effects. Yeah, yeah, man. And the thing about those kids, like, they can't. It's difficult to get them off once they've they've gotten on. You I know? mean, and it's. I like I said, I struggled with depression and anxiety for a while. There was a point in my life where I was on lithium, which yeah. is a mood stabilizer, yeah. and like I was on the lowest dose that they could give me. And I still had to go in every week to get my blood tested because if you take too much of it, mm-hmm. and every body is different in terms of metabolizing yeah. it, if you take too much of it, it can kill you. Yeah. Yet this was so, prescribed to you. This was prescribed to me to make yeah. me happier. So That's we had insane. blood work, like all of our kids had blood work, and we had like a, a, a doctor that was, the, you know, he prescribed all the meds. Yeah. And you had to like present, like, it was, pre- it was done pretty well. Sure. You know, where as far as the data was observed, they, you know, saw spikes in behavior or decreases in behavior. Mm-hmm. And, you know, blood work was done and observed like what, where the, what the doses were at. Um, but still, like, these kids are just like... Uh, this doesn't work. Let's try this. Let's try yeah. this. Try and the kids are just getting caught. This works for this, but causes this. So let's add this one in to reduce that. But it's going to cause yeah. this. So yeah. we'll add in another and one like, to reduce this. And then like, but like, what was the food program like? Right. Yeah. Yep. No. A lot, a lot of exercise. Yeah. What yeah. Sleep habits. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's where to tell you the truth. That's where like what my job kind of was. Okay. Um, to 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 induce like you know exercise and and try to introduce them to somewhat you know decent nutrition because mm-hmm. um, a lot of those kids thing is too a lot of those kids are on behavior programs that um, it was like a reward system mm-hmm. and a lot of them would have like a, an edible I say an edible but it wasn't an, an edible it was like mm-hmm. you know you like a, a manipulate yeah like yeah, a like, candy here's hey nice sure, job doing sure. this the right way here's yeah. a tootsie roll yeah you know and. They love that, and all of a sudden they're right. doing that 30 times a day, yeah. and the kids has 30 Tootsie Rolls every day, yep. you know? Yeah. Um, so it's like trying to change different things like that. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. And that we were doing a lot of outdoor activities with the kids, too, mm-hmm. like tons of hikes. I imagine so, before that place behind Mighty Squirrel was developed, it was like quite nice back there. There's a Beaver Brook right there. That's like a little park. Yeah. There's a little brook that runs through there. It's yeah. not bad. There's a little park that we'd run around and do that. It's great. It was cool. But Nice. Word. Well, I mean, I think that's a good spot to wrap up and to end things on. I think this has been a fantastically informative and uh, um, interesting conversation. 
Uh, we are at, if you guys don't realize, an hour 26 right now. Oh, nice. Figure was about that. This thing has yeah. crushed. That's this a good roll. A really good flow. Hell yeah. Yeah. Um, flow state, man. Yeah, right? Flow state. So, Tom, <laughs> you, you get wanna... in flow Sorry. Go ahead. No, flow <laughs> state, you get into it big time on the, uh, on the, uh, on the podcast. podcast. Yeah. It's a good yeah. conversation. Um, so, Tom, do you want to plug any bands or anything that's going on right now before we wrap this up? Drop any lines? Uh, I mean, yeah, I'll plug all my homies. Do it up. Um, do it. You know, this if you're into folk or acoustic vocal music, this band Darling Side out of Boston is wonderful. Um, if you're into pop, kind of dancey music, this band Shade, S-H-A-E-D, out of Washington, D.C., is making some great music. Uh, they put out a single with Sting not too long ago, which is really great. Played a show with Lizzo recently. Yeah, we went down to Mexico. They played a show with Lizzo. That was pretty dope. Um, if you're into punk music and more aggressive stuff, uh, that Irish band that I'm going out with is called The Murder Capital. Um, A-L, capital. That's a big point of contention between the spellings. But um, they're like a mixture between like Morrissey and like some really like psychedelic trance rock. Um, when are they torn? When are they coming around? So we start tour on March 11th in Boston. Um, and I don't know when this will be put out, but... Uh, Tomorrow. <laughs> so March 11th in Boston, 2020. Uh, yeah, we're doing full yes, uh, full U.S. So uh, we'll, be, we'll be around. I'll be in a van for weeks and weeks. Mm. And so if you want to stay in touch with me, I guess... Yeah. Uh, Instagram is probably easiest. It's um, at Thomas John Cadron. Um, that'll be uh, I'll be all over the country. You can follow along and, yep. and see like what Kansas looks and like. I know you're more on the road than in the studio and playing, but mm. you want to plug your own band? Yeah, I mean, I used to play in this band called Long Time. Uh, we're not really happening too much these days, but uh, that was that music was a, still out there. And it's music is out killer. there. Yeah, Long Time. Um, we got a record on Spotify called Never Alone, which is a lot of fun. Um, I also play in a 90s cover band. Yeah. Actually, that we're playing this Saturday uh, in Boston. I'll be there. Uh, at the ha at the Hap. The Hap, yeah. Uh, but that's just a, that's a party band. We play all the hits, you know, uh, Smash Mouth, uh, NSYNC, Backstreet Boys, yeah. yeah, Weezer, all the Celine Dion. Some, oh, some big ones in there good, dude. so uh yeah i play guitar and sing in that band and uh but that's also Definitely don't nap on stage with that band no <laughs> no no it's too much going on um but that's all over the country that's in new york that's in florida that's mid-atlantic that's in norcal and socal too so nice yeah well again man thank you for joining uh Thanks everyone else me. out there i think this has been great hopefully you've listened to the entire uh, episode at this point yeah right um like, follow, subscribe, share, download, comment, all that stuff that we always give you. Thanks be, for tuning in. Be aware. Be aware. <laughs> Peace. Thanks for tuning in, folks. From our pack to yours, don't just talk about it, be about it.